You are now listening to the Verify Phenoms podcast. In this show, we speak with individuals who have come from all walks of life and have overcome the mental limitations of imposter syndrome, perfectionism, and overthinking. Get your notebook ready and stay tuned to learn how you can win your mental battles and become a verifying phenom as well. What's up? What's up? What's up? Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Verified Phenoms. Today we have with us not one, but two guests. We have with us Joe and Doug. So in her 20s, Joe Weatherford was a drug and alcohol addicted model partying with celebrities in Hollywood. After an arrest and failed suicide attempt, she knew it was time to get clean. She went back to school to get her master's degree in human development and spent the next 12 years teaching courses on addiction at the University of Nevada. She's now a renowned TEDx speaker, addressing the root of causes of addiction through non-traditional approaches to recovery. Doug has now spent decades, or excuse me, Doug Moore has spent decades addicted to opiates and alcohol, even as his career as a professional snowboarder, which took him all over the world. Post-recovery, he's now a juror athlete, serial entrepreneur, and snowboard coach for both amateur and professional athletes. He also has a dual master's degree in counseling and education. They both share over 20 years sober and both walk their talk to inspire others to break free from addiction through action, not words. Their love for life and one another is proof that we can not only survive sobriety, but also thrive in it. Y'all, happy Sunday, and thank you for being on the show. How are y'all doing today? Good. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Of thank course. you. So, as I was just telling y'all, I love to get the show started with some rapid-fire questions. I have six of them, so it's going to be about three for each, and I'm going to have Joe go first and just say whatever comes to your mind, and we'll just go from there, all right? <laughs> all right. All right. What do y'all think these questions are going to be about? Just out of curiosity. No idea. I just hope I don't get myself in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get it. Let's get it. Okay. So, Joe, what's a piece of advice you give your younger self? Mm. Good one. Just to stay with myself. Like, don't worry. You got you. Just know it's going to work out better than your small mind could ever envision. Like, what you even think could be possible it's so much better Doug what's a movie scene you can recite word for word (laughs) a movie scene I can recite word for word word for word Napoleon don't be jealous because I've been chatting with hot babes online (laughs) all day besides we all know I can't go any further. William <laughs> Dynamite, what? Words. All right, Joe. What's the best joke you've heard recently? Oh, God. <laughs> okay, so it's one that you say all the time. It's my joke. Uh-oh. It's, um... My joke? It is. So how does it start? Remind me. How do you scare a swarm of bees? Boo, bees. 
Okay, Doug. (laughs) Okay, every time. Sixty percent of the time, it works. Sixty percent of the time. Okay, the chances are always in your favor. All right. (laughs) If y'all don't have a pet, if you have a pet, act as if you don't. If you can, so Doug. If you can have a pet that's not a normal house pet, what would it be? Oh man! Either not a normal house pet. Either let's get weird and pseudo typical. A wolf would be cool, right? Like just a wolf hanging out in the house, right? I always thought a little baby velociraptor would be dope too. (laughs) That's gonna be tricky. Yeah, just saying. I feel like you would need a lot of food for that wolf. The food (laughs) bill is gonna be crazy, right? All right. Joe, would you rather travel to the future or the past, and why? Oh, God, definitely the future. My past sucks. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to go back there. But my future, I know, is going to be even better. So, yeah, I definitely go forward. Boom. Boom. All right. And, Doug, final question. If you were a rapper, what would be your stage name? Oh, man. (laughs) Well, my my stage name's already been stolen because it's Dougie Fresh. Oh! <laughs> All right, so you have to have a new one. What's the new stage name? Oh, I don't know. Rap names are so dumb these days, like Post Malone and whatever. What would my name be? Though I'm not dissing on too hard on Post Malone. Wow, <laughs> what would my name? Snoop Dug. <laughs> Snoop Dug. <laughs> okay, 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 we can go with that. We can go with that one. No, we can't. No, we can't. <laughs> I mean, hey, maybe it will catch fire. You never know. You never <laughs> know. True. That's like, so my my stage name, Phenom, right? Um, I came up with that about five years ago, and it was a hit for some people, and some people, they were just like, nah, this isn't it. But over time, as I continue to produce just different content and just put meaning behind the name it eventually catch caught fire so you never know sometimes it just it needs a little meaning behind to it you just never know nope, i would just stick with fresh like you're a phenom you're fresh just fresh because you live it you own it you embrace it that's that right Heard. no one yeah. can knock it and now look at you five years later and it's stuck it's it i like that <laughs> i like that it's up and it's stuck <laughs> so uh, Joe, I'm going to start with you here real quick. I love how you were saying when we were going through the rapid fire questions, so you wouldn't want to travel uh, to the past. You would want to just focus on the future because, you know, it's, it's very bright. Now, when we think about the future sometimes, sometimes we can get anxiety because we are almost afraid of what could happen because it's unknown, right? We don't necessarily have an idea what's going to happen. But it was interesting, though, because I was hearing a, uh, a sermon earlier today talking about how we can remember or like recognize the past, but we always have to focus on the future and what's around the corner for us. But that can be difficult for some people, right? And that leads to people you know, overthinking, not necessarily uh, knowing what to do. And 
in your experience so far, how have you been able to continue to push forward knowing that you know that there's brighter moments ahead and everything's going to be going well, but you may not necessarily know what that is exactly? That's a great question. For me, I really tried to embrace the excitement of the unknown. And I like how you you mentioned that the future can produce a lot of anxiety because it is unknown. We don't have control over it. But I think it's important to remember that the brain doesn't know the difference between excitement and anxiety. So if we can reframe mm-hmm. what's to come as I am excited about it instead of I'm anxious about it, it really makes life a lot more pleasant. And I heard somebody say once, you know, if life was a video game and we always knew what was going to happen, we wouldn't Mm -hmm. play the game. It'd be like you would just be every level. There wouldn't be villains. There wouldn't be things trying to kill you. You know, it would just be a game where you just passed every level and it would suck and you wouldn't want to play it because there'd be no reward. So knowing that that yes, it can be scary. And especially right now, as we're talking, it's like, are we going to go into World War Three or a massive recession? Or, you know, who knows? There's lots of things to be anxious about. But for me, I'm like, all I can, can do is, is work on myself, do the things that I know, you know, my breath work, my meditation, eat healthy, mm-hmm. get lots of sleep, and then and then really, truly keep my gratitude practice up. And that's what allows me because I fill that tank, I prepare, and then I really do get excited about the future, even though it's uncertain. Mm. Turning the fear of unknown anxiety, our brain doesn't necessarily understand the difference, but focusing more on the excitement of what's around the corner. Yes. Mm. That's powerful. I I think that's, I I love that. I really do. And I'm going to, switch lanes to Doug real quick, because as somebody that was a high level athlete, uh, you know, a professional snowboarder, and now you also teach other amateur and professional snowboarders, there is a lot of anxiety around athletes. I had the opportunity to play or not play to run cross country and run track at a high level in college. I play soccer and basketball throughout high school. Even now I'm preparing to be an amateur boxer. And there's always a lot of anxiety around performance when it comes to competition. Have you had a chance to see that in your athletes yet, that they are scared or anxious about their events that they have coming up? Yeah, yeah. Um, It absolutely happens. And naturally it happens. It was part of, you know, almost a daily or every competition. And, um, you know, it's... You get to a certain level in sports as you've experienced whichever, you know, level you're at now, competition is all fairly similar. You know, there's mm-hmm. some people and that are obviously better than others still, but the competition is tight and the higher the levels go, competition is even tighter. I think it comes down to the mental game, the mental strength. So often it could be soccer, it could be on the court, especially in, and I'm, I'm familiar with the snow sports, with snowboarding, obviously absolutely comes down to the mental game because if we're mentally on we make the right moves our body responds how our, we want our, our mind wants it to you know if we're mentally off we're thinking i'm going to slip out on that turn i'm going to crash off that jump then the body's going to go straight down um so working with the youth you know actually youth into adults you know my age range 
I'm retired from the coaching now a few years. Um, and, um, but with that age range, it was always about 14 up to 24, even to 30 years old, um, wherever they're at, you know, even in the pro ranks, um, mental toughness is everything. So we do a lot of sports psychology and, and retraining the the brain and, and reprogramming the brain, strengthening the brain. Um, yoga, big part of the snow sports. And I bring it, if I were to go back to coaching, um, and those that, you know, I talk to even now, um, you know, on, you know, like not officially their coach or this or that, but when I talk to different athletes, I always suggest yoga. Yoga is so important for the body, so good for the body. But the mental aspect, mental psychology and sports psych was a huge part of my program. Like we'd spend at least an hour a week working on just that, like in a classroom with the best snowboarders in the world, working on our mental edge. Hmm. It's one of those things where you had to really visualize and take yourself out of the field first before you actually compete because everything it starts up here it really does everything everything i want to ask a quick random question real quick yeah now that joe brought it up what is (laughs) y'all's favorite video game Hmm. that's a bonus in the rapid fire I'm old school and I don't, truthfully, I don't play video games now, but mm. when I was young, it was Super Mario Brothers. I mean, just all like the OG, you know what I mean? Okay. The mushrooms, the turtles, just Yeah. Cool. Yep. Okay. Go. Cool. And for new school, I think Halo is super dope. I love everything about it. I don't play it much, but I think Halo is mm. dope. Like everything from the soundtracks to those characters you know to the different guns and lasers the planets the design yeah. of it i think it's pretty sick i can agree i haven't played halo halo in a minute but i can definitely align with you on that one and super <laughs> mario I, I used to play the mess out of super mario world in the in the game boy advance days so i can yeah i can align <laughs> with both of y'all on that yeah so that's a good question performance anxiety i think is something that doesn't just relate to sports is something that happens in sports it happens in our career and honestly it can also happen within our relationships not necessarily romantic but also you know platonic it can happen with our families our friends anybody right and if somebody doesn't understand what i mean by that when i say performance anxiety right i mean that holding upholding a standard to what the other person has for you, right? Whether it's a friend expecting you to act a certain way, your significant other, your coach, X, Y, Z, right? Expecting you to perform or deal or just just conduct yourself in a certain manner. And I want to ask both of you all this question. At what point did you understand or what at what point did you understand how to take yourself out of a situation in order to perform better. So you didn't let external factors bother you, whether it's your coach, maybe it's a manager or anything of that nature. And you just say, you know what? I know how to conduct myself. I know what I have the capability to do. So I'm not going to let the pressure from somebody else to essentially keep me down. We can go with whoever 
comes up with the, the question, I mean, answer first. In what point, like what sort of was that switch? Is that what you were yeah, asking? Yeah, what was that switch? For me, when I was, I used to race snowboards and uh, border cross racing in particular, you know, when there's six of us lined up shoulder to shoulder at the start, push off and go through an obstacle course at 30, 40, 50 miles an hour, some parts, you know, huge jumps and bank turns and all that shoulder to shoulder through it all. I got to the point for me, it was, you know, I'd, I'd hop, I was so young when I started racing U.S. Tour and World Cup. And the guys were so much older than me and hundreds of races more experienced than me. But I knew, I knew I was just as good as them, if not better than half of them. I knew skill-wise, skill set, speed, I had it. And that's what I tell myself at the top of every race course. I got this. And you said it like, I know what I need to do. Just do it. And that was that. And I didn't discuss it with myself. I didn't talk myself out of it. And speaking of sports psychology, and at that time, I worked with someone too, periodically. And, um, mm. and I had just awesome coach as well. And so uh, for me, that's what it was. It's like, I know what I got. I know what I can do. I know my capabilities. I know I can beat that person. And I think that was my edge. I don't think that. I know that was my edge. And that comes sort of partly how I sort of groomed my whole life, um, just through circumstance and whatnot. It was sort of always a fighter and always needing mm -hmm. to protect myself and um so that was just intrinsic in me and i have a couple boys now you know so i've had kids and and coaching it's like i know those kids who can fight and i see those kids and i've got them i had them on the team that they're not fighters out there they're fine with second place they're fine with 10th place okay um and then in, in our boys, raising boys, two sons, you know, sometimes I see it, sometimes I don't. I got to remember not to live vicariously through them. But how can I transfer, like, this fight, this mental toughness into sports, into school? And like you mentioned, I like that you mentioned it, too, into relationships, whether it's romantic or platonic. It's clutch. And I think for me, it's I know what I'm capable of. I know what I'm capable of. I know who I am. So I'm going to show up in that best version of myself, whether it's on the race course or whether it's holding her hand and showing up for her. And to me, that's it. Best version, highest version of ourselves each day. That's great. Joe. That's what I got on that. <clears throat> About you, yeah, um, I love that. It's like earned confidence, right? And I, I think that comes mm -hmm. from adversity and learning who you are when things don't go well and when you do disappoint people and when you don't perform at your best, you know, how you overcome those trials and tribulations, I think gives us the confidence to step into situations with more authority over ourselves and our life. I think for me, after I had gotten sober, it was kind of the first time in my life I trusted myself enough to go against the norms or expectations of people around me. Like in my family, education is very important. My family's very successful. And there was one point I was um, finishing my PhD. I was a full-time, I was teaching full-time. I was working at the university full-time and I was just burnt out and I didn't want to do any of it anymore. 
and I made the decision to drop out of my PhD program right before I started dissertation. So I did the whole PhD program and dropped out. And I knew that that was going to be really, really frowned upon by my family, by my mentors, by the university. And it was the first time I was like, no, this is my decision and I don't want to do it. And it's not because it was super hard or anything else. It just didn't feel in alignment. And it was difficult to make that decision, but I did. And it felt really good to own it. You know, whether it was a right or wrong decision didn't even matter. It was like, I listened to myself and I trusted myself to make the best decision. And I took it. I took the heat and I, I'm glad that I did. I meant to say this earlier, but after your, both of y'all's intros, I just wanted to give both of you all your flowers for everything that you've been doing, everything that you're currently doing. And just the years that you all have been clean together and you've been starting this movement or you've been having this movement together and just changing lives, uh, thousands of lives all over the world. And even if you haven't personally touched a thousand lives, I know you've touched a thousand lives indirectly because you may touch one person. I may touch another. I may touch another. So I also just want to say real quick, uh, you know, peace, love and happiness to y'all. So happy for what you are doing and what you are continuously want to do in the future uh thank so yeah you. i just want to say you. that real quick of course thank you big time uh doug, not doug joe you mentioned burnout which is a real thing and i had this written on my wall nobody likes to talk about burnout until they're burnt out nobody's yeah. thinking about it until they're actually burnt out how or when within your journey did you realize you were burnt out? What was that moment you were like, oh, you know what? This this is not it. Like, I, I'm spending way too much time. I don't have any energy. Like, what were the key indicators for you, for anybody listening? It's like, okay, I think I may be burnt out. Hmm. Yeah, it's a really great question. For me, I should say during that time um, when I was working like 80 hours a week, I was also seeing clients for counseling and burnout showed up a lot for me as compassion fatigue. Um, We had a couple of Mm. tragedies in Reno. We had an air race crash and then an Amtrak train derailed. So I was working with people who had been on the ground and at the scenes of both of those traumatic events. And so... For me, the burnout, one of the biggest indications is I couldn't sit with people and really hold their pain with them appropriately. I was disassociating. I wasn't sleeping well. I I was very irritable. Um, yeah, I could feel like my own own compassion for myself and other people, like getting brittle. That's just the only way I can describe it. Um, and I, I knew that I just had, had lit too many fires for too long and I was no longer in alignment with what my truth was. And my truth at that time was I wanted to spend more time with my, my then husband. I wanted to be at our business more and I, I was living a life that was not, not true 
to what I deeply, deeply craved. And I felt it. I felt it in depression. I felt it in anxiety. I felt it in compassion fatigue. I felt it in low energy. And I just knew that I needed to quit everything. And I did. I, I worked with my then husband at our martial arts school full time. Um, and I really, my life became much simpler. And I felt better. My energy came back. I was more connected to myself. I was happier. I mean, it was just those basic things that I started to feel again, which was joy and energy and love and happiness. What type of martial arts were y'all doing? <laughs> I, I, so I, it was, you know, I mentioned boxing earlier. You're not going to slide yeah, past that and we're not going to talk about it more. <laughs> yeah. No, it um it was called freestyle and it was really cool because it was a very eclectic mix of the base was taekwondo and then muay thai, krav maga and brazilian jiu-jitsu. So, I will give it up to my ex-husband. He created that school before MMA was a thing and it it blended all of those mm. disciplines and it was it was really special. So, yeah, that's that's what it was. Mm. Have you taught Doug any of those those moves yet? <laughs> he tries, you know what I mean? Like he tries, but we won't talk about that. We won't even go there. <laughs> talk about performance anxiety. <laughs> he knows what's up. <laughs> Doug said, I'm just going to stick to my snowboard. That's my sport right there. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. Oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, speaking yeah, of which, so <laughs> I, I think there there is something something there. So, Doug, you are a snowboarder. You teach others how to snowboard, or you you are coaching them. And let's just say you are trying to pick up a new sport, right? For some athletes. They may have imposter syndrome because maybe they're feeling, you know what, I should stick to my one sport, right? And this is, if we, if we think on a broad scale, this is relatable to a lot of things. Let's just say if I am a marketer and now all of a sudden I decide I want to switch to a career of sales or something like that, right? When you're learning, and this may have been just like a fun moment for you, but still, as you're trying to learn, pick up a new sport, martial arts, and you're just like, nah, I'm a snowboarder. What was the mindset going into it? Were, were you like, okay, you know, I've been a high level athlete. Let me see how far I can take this. Or were you, were you just kind of going into it for fun? Or is it just because Joe wouldn't stop talking about it? And you're like, okay, I'm going to try something just so we can get this conversation over with. How was it for you? Regarding snowboarding in particular, or if I were to switch and start something Not necessarily. New? Switching and starting something new. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, dope question. And my ego will jump in the way 100%, right? So it's my, our ego can help us, protect us. Our ego is wonderful. And it can get in the way too. So snowboarding or whether it was, you know, I was a decent soccer player too, but snowboarding was my jam. Like my ego would help me there. I've trained, I've trained, I've trained. All right, Doug, you know you're the best you can be. You know you're the best. Go do that again. And so thank you, ego. So now I'm showing up to say martial arts or I'm showing up to a new sport. Yeah, I like being the best. So what do I do? Mm, just come check that ego at the door, right? It's like, hey, 
It's okay to be humble. It's okay to start at the bottom of the ladder. And I always go through it. You know, is this something I want to do? Oh, rock climbing. That's a great one. I picked that up a few years ago and I was horrible at it at first. And I felt like such a kook on the wall at the climbing gym. And it's like, what am I doing here? When everyone else is like these spider monkeys all over the place. And I'm just like, yeah. Um, I, sh- I always check in with myself, like, why am I here? It's because I want to give this a go because I l- want to push myself because I think I'm, I'll be really passionate about this. I love trying new things, kind of go through that checklist. And then it's like, I know who I am still. And it doesn't matter if I'm good mm-hmm. or bad at that. And I think that's okay to remember. We don't need to be the best at everything we do. We got to like ourselves. We got as long as we're cool with ourselves for me then it's easier to show up as something new. Is there that little part hidden away that likes to be number one, that likes to be the best at it? Of course. And it's cool to use that as a tool to allow myself to learn and grow. And that's just important. Allow ourselves to learn. Allow ourselves to grow. Be patient with ourselves. Yeah. Allow ourselves to learn. Allow ourselves to grow. And be patient. And be comfortable with starting over. Starting over can be difficult. It can be difficult for so many reasons. It can be difficult because maybe we feel uh, a fear of failure. It can be difficult because of the environment that we're in, that we're not accustomed to it. Maybe we have pressure on us. But in reality, we're going to start over a lot of times in life. I would love to know. From both of y'all, I'll start with Joe first. How many times would you say that you have started over, like a complete change of life? And how was the mental journey for you each time? Did it get better? Did it get worse? Did you become more wise? Did you understand how to attack starting over just differently each time? How was it? Oh, I love this question. And I actually... I am the queen of starting over and I really enjoy it. I love my life now, so I don't anticipate doing it again much, but it's been great for me. Um, I first started over, I went to a private boarding school my sophomore year of high school. So I lived in this tiny little town in Arizona and then I went to this private boarding school in Scottsdale, Arizona. And that was a major culture shock. Like all of a sudden I'm in school with famous people's kids and people from Saudi Arabia, Japan, like all over the world. It was really amazing. I loved it. So for me, I was just in such appreciation to be surrounded by so many different people. Um, It actually took the performance anxiety away because Mm. I was just excited to be there. I didn't want to be the top, you know, I was just glad to be, you know, in the mix. Mm -hmm. So that was the first time. The second time I started over, um, I moved to college in Nevada and I started working in television and started modeling. And then I moved to LA. So I moved there alone. I didn't have an agent and I just figured it out. You know, I just started meeting people, getting hired, networking with different photographers. This was before social media. So it was a different world. And it was cool because I just figured it out and I had a good experience. And 
I really, um, until it, <laughs> my drug use and everything kind of took over, I really enjoyed that time of my life. And it gave me a lot of trust in myself and my resilience. And because I had low expectations, I was like, I'm just going to go and I'm just going to see what I can do. You know, that, that what I was able to accomplish felt so much bigger and better and more meaningful because I had such low expectations. So that would be one of the things I would say, if you're looking at starting over, it's like that in and of itself is, is a masterpiece, you know, any accolades or any like big things you accomplish, that's just icing on the cake because having the balls to do it, it's like that is going to carry and transcend into whatever you do in life. It's just the courage Mm. to put yourself in those uncomfortable, unknown situations. Like the magic's already happened with the willingness to do that. Mm. And then during COVID, my ex-husband and I sold our business and moved to Mexico and I retired and I was just living on the beach, (laughs) you know, and Then I was like, whoa, I need to get divorced. This is very unhealthy. This is not a good situation. He stole all of my money. So I'm in another country with Mm. zero money. Mm -hmm. And I left, you know, because I know who I am. And I know I'm like a cat. and I will always stand on my feet. And so I just figured it out. And then I came back to Nevada to try to get divorced. Doug and I reconnected. He's been one of my dear friends for 10 years. And then I ended up coming back to Nevada and now we're launching two companies. I am always starting over. And it's cool because I've gotten to meet all these different versions of myself. And so, you know, I I respect and I honor the process of starting over and the reverence it requires, you know, and I don't have children. So I'm in a position where I'm more easy easily able to do that. But I mentioned earlier that alignment, like you are living a life that is not your own, have the courage to start something new and to try and see who you are. When you take that leap, there's not a guarantee there's going to be a net. The world promises you nothing, you know, so like do it wisely, do it with intention and do it with support. But for me, it's always paid off. And I, and I'm so glad that I have made those really unbelievably hard decisions. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Mm-hmm. That's a mic drop right there. Right? <laughs> Straight up mic drop. Starting over, huh? Yeah, I've started over a few <laughs> times and each one, most of the time, it's, it's not quite at the bottom, you know, or not the bottom at all, you know, pull experience from this, this life or this job or whatnot, and take it into the next for sure. But, um, snowboard career, whether it was competing and coaching that spanned more than a decade. And, um, my time, my time was up and I, and that was self-imposed, you know, I was ready to do other things. Um, my body was tired being on the snow full time and beat up and surgeries and hardware here and there in my body and ready to do other things. And so um, jewelry, the jewelry career is all, I've been making jewelry since like my mid twenties. And so that's always been um, a hobby of mine um, and a supplement to my income, whatever I'm doing. I worked in the school system, worked with behavior disorder kids in middle and high school for a handful of years. That was really cool. Knew I didn't want to stay in teaching or even counseling therapy. Um, 
and eventually, obviously, a full time a full time jeweler. So you know, they're starting over career wise, which was take experiences, life experiences always help. Um, but it's always I was learning as I went, and I've kind of done it my whole life. Like I'm pretty good at following my true north for the most part. Like if I have a dream or something I'm passionate about, I will chase it down and I will bring it to life. I will make it happen. If I have to work that hard, if I have to train that hard, if I have to get one more degree at a university, okay, like I will do that. Um, if like a snowboard team, like uh, there's been companies that weren't started yet. There was a problem. There's a, a space available and it was, there wasn't anyone providing the need. I created that. Um, I'll make that happen. One of my biggest though resets when I was 42 years old and I started over when I gave up alcohol and opiates is basically a 25 year bender from my mid late teens. So I just barely turned 42 and I gave that up. I quit cold turkey, alcohol, opiates, detoxed, um, began to, you know, rehabilitate, began to, to recover, right? Addiction recovery process. And that was probably my biggest start over of my life, hands down. That was tricky because I didn't know how to be sober, like just to be as a human. I didn't know how to communicate with someone sober to know how to act, react, respond, et cetera, et cetera. So there was a lot of learning. There was a lot of undoing old behaviors that didn't serve me. And there was a lot of learning better behaviors and better patterns. That was one of my biggest startovers. That's just blessed every day of my life since, even the hard times. I show up in a sober state, a clear mind, more rational thought. Yeah. That was one of my best start overs. One thing I can gather from what both of y'all just said is that you not only started over once, but multiple times. And yes. for anybody listening to this right now, there's nothing wrong with starting over, especially when you're aligning with yourself and you just continue to move with intent you will always essentially find your way back. Now, I have about two more questions to ask y'all as we wrap up here today. The first one is, what was success to you 15 years ago? And what is success to you now? We can start with Doug first, and then we'll go to Joe. Wow. You know, 15 years ago, I I thought success was just being with somebody, you know, of status or I had such little sense of self that I really thought if I could just date somebody amazing, then that would mean something about me, like whether we clicked or not. And I went down that rabbit hole. I mean, I dated somebody that played for the Yankees and Chargers. And, you know, I would find these people that I thought, well, if he likes me, then that must mean I'm okay. So that was a part of it. I thought success was how much money you had and where you lived and, you know, the car that I drove and 
Um, I thought it was what I looked like. I mean, it was just a very superficial definition of success. And what's fascinating is I got all those things. And when I actually did try to kill myself, like the most depressed I've ever been, I had just shot for FHM magazine. I was living in Newport Beach. I was dating one of the charters, like on paper, my life to some people would have looked interesting or glamorous. And it was terrible. I hated myself. So now what it looks like for me is it's simple. I'm with somebody that I love. This is my dude. This is my best friend, my partner. Like we're always on the same team. Always. (laughs) We've been together a year. We had one fight, you know, I mean, like we truly just really like every morning I wake up and I just squeeze his face and I'm like, oh my God, it's you. I'm so freaking stoked that I get to do today with you. And it's like, we'll go and watch um, his son play soccer and play with the dog. And it's like these little tiny moments where I'm like, I freaking nailed it. Like, this is it. Success for me is helping people. Success for me is creating businesses that afford me the financial freedom and also the time to travel and to spend time with my family. That is success. Success is when I look at myself in the mirror, I'm like, I know who I am and I love myself and I do my absolute best to be a good person in the world. But for me, success is family and it's my connections and my friends and, and it's time. And that, that is what means so much to me. Mm, nice. This one. <laughs> success 15 years yeah. ago and su- compared to success now. 15 years ago, I thought I had to be, still be the best jeweler, better than everyone else, have the coolest designs, have, make more custom pieces than anyone else in town. Um, I needed to be making them for everybody. Um, that's, that's what I was doing. I just about to launch this company I'm in right now that I own. It's called D street designs, my jewelry studio here in Reno. And, um, that's what I focus on the custom commission pieces, wedding sets, engagement rings, all that. And, um, I thought that's what I needed to do. And that's how I launched that business, you know, almost 15 years ago and how I conducted it for so long. And the last handful of years, less is more. Less customers, but a higher quality human, thus a higher quality job is more important to me. If the customers come in, fortunately, I'm at the place of we don't have a good connection, even energetic connection. We're not getting along too well, jiving too well. I have no problem recommending them to go anywhere else in town. If they're total jerks, then I definitely send send them to Costco or whatever. Um, So I get to be selective with my customers, which is really cool. It creates a better experience for me. It creates a better experience for them. I consequently do a better job on the work. I like working for myself because I tend to march to a very unique beat of a drum and, um, and I value time. I have two sons, 15 and 21 years old. Like I've been to every game, every practice, every meeting, every doctor appointment, 
Like I can close up shop. I have the freedom to do that and go pick them up and take them everywhere. I've got them. We've got them full time. Um, that's the biggest blessing. And that's more important now than ever. You know, it's, then it's shifted, you know, like I've got to make all this money because that's success. Mm -mm. It's like Joe mentioned, having the means, you know, our means covered, absolutely a necessity. Um, but time, time's everything and experience is everything. And that's what I didn't know 15 years ago. Even that, that exchange, right? That energetic exchange with another human, the, the customer that comes into my store, that's an experience. It's going to be good or bad. I want more good ones than bad. So that's why I send them to other jewelers around town weekly. Um, and then the experiences, whether it's the time at home, morning coffee, coming into work a little later because we got to have time together or planning another weekend trip or week-long trip or international trip with either just us or the kids because this the experiences are everything. I think I want to, for the final question, I want to circle back to the topic of starting over. And for the final question today, I would love for both of y'all in like a concise thought, just share with the audience, everyone listening to this right now, what advice would you give to them if they're thinking about starting over, but they're scared to? Did I hear right? If they're thinking about starting their own business? Oh, starting, just starting over. Partner. Just they, they want to start over in life. Maybe they want to start a brand new career. Maybe they yeah. are in a long-term relationship. Maybe they're married and they're like, you know what? This isn't it for me. Uh, just anything. Now they're in the fourth year of school and they want to go to a new school all of a sudden. But just a significant change of starting over. Mm -hmm. Yep. I hear you. I hear you. For, for mine, my piece of advice is to remember wherever you go, there you are. So when we're thinking about making a big change, be really brutally honest with yourself. You know, is the problem the job or is the problem I'm not taking care of myself or something within me internally that I need to fix? It is not going to be made better by switching the relationship, the job, the location, because it's that idea of pick your heart. You know what I mean? Um, and I, I am a firm believer in the power and the magic of starting over. And I highly encourage it after that has been assessed. You know, it's like when we're trying to outrun or run away from things, um, it's, it, we've got to do the internal work first. That's my advice. Then make the leap. Yeah. Good one. Good one. Got to piggyback part of that. You know, wherever you go, there you are. Are you running away from something and think this next shiny object will be it? Because it's not. So thinking of starting over, making this jump from this safe job to what you really want to be doing or the safe relationship to wow, it really should be. Um, yeah, man, if you, if we I want to include myself in on this. If, if we are in connection with ourselves, this say it's a new job, is in alignment with our core values, our core talents, who we are, our dreams, 
and you can begin to create a path, like the map of what that may look like, maybe you can't. You can see it, you can envision it, and it's you. Go for it. Like, go for it because somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got going to fulfill, say, that job anyway. Might as well be you. Might as well be us. Mm. So, yes, go for it. And just staying connected to self the whole time, that's success. And then successes will come. The path will be easier. We get derailed by this person. We get derailed by addictions over there. Whatever addictions might look like, it will derail you. It will throw us off. But man, if you're in that core alignment, go for it. Someone's got to do it. Might as well be you. Might as well be me. Might as well be us. Say true to yourself, and it's might as well exactly. be you. Wrapping up, how can people find you, and how can they support you? So we just launched a new website. It's recoveryremix.com. So we are in the beginning stages. The website is live. So go on, leave your email address, and we will let you know the second our low-cost membership is available. So we really wanted to create an online alternative to AA. So anybody that wants to learn about addiction, is thinking about getting sober, has been sober for a long time and wants support, our jam is really the emotional intelligence aspect of sobriety. And so we're going to have a membership site. It's $22 a month, super affordable. And we're just going to load it with content, whether it's on cravings, emotional intelligence. So find us on recoveryremix.com. And also recovery remix is our Instagram handle. Thank you for asking. Of course, of course. So y'all, this has been another episode of verify phenoms has been an amazing episode if you gain some value if you learn something today if you know somebody that needs to hear this conversation of course send this to them as is always here on verify phenoms we're looking to change lives it's the conversations that we are always able to pick up some nuggets here and there take with us and run again y'all joe dub thank you so much for being on the show today Y'all, I'm your host, Phenom, and I will catch y'all on the very next episode.